Welcome to No Rewind with Larry Betag. The next chapter of your life begins today, and you're playing the hero. Whether you're on track and ready to cross the finish line or need a complete overhaul, you've come to the right place. Join Larry as he walks alongside you in the next chapter of your life. We'll take a deep look under the hood to see how you can take the right steps to go from good to great. Victories aren't easy, but regret can be costly. Welcome to No Rewind. You've only got one shot. This is Larry Betag and No Rewind. We are back with Monsignor Deutsch. I just want to reiterate, No Rewind is kind of a lot of your life. You can't go back. You can't go redo the things. And there's no one who screwed up more than me. But fortunately, I got Monsignor Deutsch here, and he's had a couple mess ups yeah, in his life as well too. too. Yeah, so we're going to have him. We're going to talk to him a little bit. And in the, the prior episode, we were talking a little bit about um his, his journey his, his journey with the faith and um it, with no rewind here we are going to talk about so many different things and you know we talked to, um about a crazy guy by the name of larry chapel who was just a, a drug dealer um he yeah i would love for you to listen to one of the episodes earlier but he was a drug dealer up in rockford he was running a million dollar a month business he had you know, the DA, he had FBI agents, everybody on his payroll. And mm. one day, you know, had this thing that things weren't right. And he was going to end his life or change it. And uh, just an incredible story. So I'm going to do stuff with crazy people. I'm going to do stuff with you. But the point is, we're all on a journey. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what we've done. It's all about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So um, your story was fascinating. It, it's pretty cool, the, the career path you took and mm-hmm. the path that you took to get there. And it's neat how everything you talked about there was a little diversions that help you become really good at what you do today. Mm-hmm. So anyways, what I want to talk about now is, um, so you've joined the priesthood, you're uh, now my senior, you're, you're running probably one of the biggest parishes in our um, in our diocese. And i got to ask you a couple questions here because I think a lot of people want to know this, but I, I'm going to go with the most obvious question here. Um, the priesthood, what's the status of the priesthood today? Hmm. Uh there's never been a more uh, important time to have the priesthood. There's never been a more uh, exciting time to be a priest simply because of all the uh, cultural, societal, political uh, issues uh, arrayed uh, in, our, in our world, uh, some of them against the church, uh, that it's never been more important to have a, a great witness uh, you know, I tell you know, young seminarians and we in our discussions, I said, you are in for the ride of your life. This is not going to be boring. And uh, it's, it's, it's going to be, as you would say, all hands on deck. Mm. Everybody, we, we've all got to get uh, on the same page. We've all, we've all got to uh, just get holy and, and let the Lord guide us in what he's trying to do to let's say, get his church back together. So let, let me interrupt you here, but I, I, you, you're, you're a lot nicer person than I am, and I kind of talk in the vernacular sometimes, so yeah. I'm going to talk the way I, 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 I do. Yeah. But um, I, I think that, um, you know, uh, the problem, if I were to have a vision of being a priest today, there might be this misnomer that um, for guys, we'll say teenage guys, you know, they, they might razz each other and say, "Don't be a pussy." You know, you're you're weird. You get it's not a man's thing. And I think that God's created everyone to be conquerors and to, to 
have uh, excitement and and conquering and building and stuff like that. And so, you know, you made a statement that you're in for the ride of your life. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I'm a 16-year-old, 21-year-old, 25-year-old guy, Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that every guy is looking. They're searching for something. Mm -hmm. And so why would they consider that? Because I get the holiness. Everybody gets a holiness factor. Everyone needs to be holy. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. I'm not that holy. I think I'm okay. I'm a lot better than I was. Um, I try to help people. I, I think that God's got me in the right vein. I know where my heart belongs. It belongs to Christ. I ran off the road so much. Mm-hmm. But as far as going to becoming a priest, I'm thinking, uh, is that kind of boring? Yeah. Um, well, I would say, first of all, not every guy is called to be a priest. Most guys aren't. It's important that we provide a forum and an atmosphere where guys are free to think about whatever the Lord wants them to do, which is why... Uh, let's say a parish and a church and, and families surround, uh, centered on the Lord uh, are so important because that's the place where young people have the freedom to think about what the Lord wants them to do or what they want to do with their life to be happy, right? Everybody wants to be happy. That's what right. you start with. Right. And, but there are some young men who are called, um, and we want to make sure that they have the permission to follow that. Where Where's the biggest obstacle to young men following the priesthood? It isn't it isn't the culture. It's it's the family. There there's a there's a lot of parents and I, I, I mean no disrespect, there's a lot of parents who don't want their son to be a priest because they want and they'll say, I want grandkids. Well, then you should have had more kids. Mm. Uh, and it was easy to have vocations a generation ago because you had six or seven kids and mm-hmm. the family's like, yeah, I'll encourage one of them to be a priest. Mm-hmm. But now we don't do that. We want we want grandkids and we don't want our, and I've had parents say this, I don't want my son or daughter to go into the church because I want them to be happy. Mm. See, and that's I, exactly the misnomer that I think a lot of people right? think. And I say, look at me. Uh, I'm happy. Well, the year they compartmentalize. They can see me, but they can't see how that applies to their son or daughter when they've already got a vision of what their son or daughter's life is going to be about. They 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 planted in their own mind, and they've made plans for their kids uh, so that they will follow this certain trajectory. It's and, almost like their parents are, are are picking out their life for them, yeah, as opposed bit. to letting their letting God take yeah, them out of the path. And that's and that's out of out of love because they they're trying to protect their parents. We had helicopter parents. Now we've got lawnmower parents. And helicopters hover, lawnmower parents uh, get in front of their kids and they mow down every obstacle mm. so that Johnny and Susie can have the easiest life. Well, that's, mm-hmm. not, that's not what we're geared for. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we need to have battle. We need, we to, have need to have conflict. That's how you right. learn to grow and that's how you learn to live life. And that, that's how you learn to you know, live with people is, is through, through conflict. And, and so when you've got that coupled with, uh, let's say, a culture that doesn't support it and demeans it and, and ridicules uh, people of faith, it, it, that's just where it's at. That it's it it might seem insurmountable. I mean, in our diocese right now, we got about fifteen people in seminary, which is kind of low. And you know, our vocation director, Father Mano, is working on it. But in the end, it all comes down to families and parishes creating an environment where young men have the freedom to think about their life in, mm-hmm. a, in a much broader context than just money or house or or. Just some of the things that we think are going to make us happy. Happiness is, is not. Happiness. We think it's like getting what we want. That's, that's pleasure. Happiness is, uh, 
virtue, uh, the, as Aquinas would say, proper mm-hmm. exercise of the faculties of the soul according to the life of the virtues. In other words, I discipline my intellect and will, how I think and how I act, in a virtuous way, which means I have to deny myself. This is where why it's so important to mix it up. Like in your, your family, you guys fought a lot. Mm-hmm. You you negotiated. You learn how to be a human being mm-hmm. and how to forgive and how to compromise and how how not to get your way all the time. And we, I think, so back to your question. What, what's in it for a, a fifteen or twenty one year old young man who's got the world in front of him to go off on a track where it's not anything that the, the culture is about and. And I think before you get to that point, you've got to have uh, a family that supports you. You've got to pick good friends uh, who are going to lift you up and call you to be your best. And you've got to have a prayer life. And if you, if you, don't, have, if you don't have the capacity to open your heart and listen to God, uh, you're never going to hear the voice saying, hey, follow me. Uh, well, that makes me think of... You know, you, you talk about, I, I think of it differently. The way you, you said things with St. Thomas and Aquinas, and you're getting so intellectual, you're, you're well beyond what I'm thinking, but I'm thinking to dumb it down. Yeah. I almost think there's a, a difference between happiness and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. So happiness is kind of like your, your thing with your pleasure. I mean, sin is pleasure. It's awesome for the mm-hmm. moment, but it leaves you unfulfilled. And I think that when you're doing the things that God wants you to, we have a small group that we hang out with every Thursday, and we keep saying the more we do really what God wants us to do, Honestly, the happier our heart is, which is more fulfilled. And we're actually, for the first time in our lives, we're, we're probably serving other people more mm-hmm. than just serving ourselves. And there's mm-hmm. probably something designed by God to do that. But the thing that you just, uh, changing topics here, you were talking about, it's countercultural. And I, I got to tell you, if you're a, a guy, a young man, you know, from 16 to 23, 25, whatever those ages are, that they're contemplating this. You know, men are warriors, and mm-hmm. this is almost the biggest war mm-hmm. because you're fighting against what society is telling you to do. They're saying it's not cool to be a priest. It's not really a vocation. It's not really even a career. It's uh, kind of, I, I almost wonder if they just look at it and say, yeah, you can't make it in the real world, mm-hmm. so you just go ahead and have someone else take care of you kind of thing. Right, right. So uh, it's and, kind they, of, and here's the thing. There are priests like that. Mm-hmm. They're bachelors. I mean, they, they're priests, but they're a bachelor. They... I've uh, got a nice little cushy thing going, and they live it, and uh, they don't get in anybody's way. Nobody gets in their way. It's just it's it's easy, and that's death mm-hmm. to to the spiritual life. So, the what young men need to see is a life of consequence. I mean, we talk about millennials and whatever Gen Z or whatever they are right now. They they want to be impactful. They want to make an impact, mm-hmm. and they want to. They want to do it right away. Uh, how do you make an impact? You uh, you affect change in somebody else's life in a positive way. Um, if you're a good priest and and you are living a life again, what you talk about happiness and being fulfilled. The more you give, the more you do for other people. The hap- that that there's that sense of fulfillment. The more you do for yourself the more you might experience a sense of well-being, like, oh, that was fun, but as soon as it's over, I want more. Mm-hmm. And there's that, there's that emptiness, that chasing that goes on. That's the difference. And there's a lot, a lot of young people out there who are chasing something because they feel unfulfilled. They, do, they have not had a witness in their life of, of, a, of a man, I mean, aside from their fathers, or the important men in their life. They, they need to see 
in the in the real world, in the working world, uh, in the world where people live out their lives, somebody who's saying no to himself because he's saying yes to you and in, in your life. And if you're a good priest, that's what you do. Um, my, I, I, and I, I, get, I get where, you know, the church was riding high after John Paul. We had, and he had built up such a legacy of he was goodwill. Awesome. Yeah, he was great. And the church was powerful. And if, if the bishops in Washington said this to the Congress, they, you know, they listened. Well, now, you know, they're lucky, the bishops are lucky to get a phone call return because we squandered all that goodwill in the sex, sex abuse crisis. And all that's deserved. We, uh, we need a clean house. And, and you, as I talked in the last episode about how you can see how the Lord does certain things that seem difficult at the time, but in hindsight, you can see why that was important. So why did I go through all the uh, things I went through before I decided to go to the seminary? Because somehow that has made me the priest I am today. Why is the church going through this purification, uh, this this mortification, this humiliation, uh, to get her house in order, to do to be ready for uh, the major culture, political, social battles that are forthcoming? That are forthcoming. So this is great. I, I love this because as I think about um, a young kid, I'm thinking about you know well, there's got to be something meaningful. Mm-hmm. And the problem I, I got to tell you, our society in general. Is probably has the least amount of meaning that there ever has been, mm-hmm. at least within our life. Because you think about the generation before you had the World War II parents, the Depression, and then out of it the the, the boom of the the 50s and you know the the fast cars and this and that, and then pretty soon you got the Woodstocks things going on that became 100% turned to me because for the first time we're not in a depression, we're in a prosperity mode. But yet there's still no fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And so I, I look at this thing we're going through with JP too, and I think that, you know, this is the first time when I'm talking to you that I was thinking if I'm single, you know, I, I'm kind of thinking that, well, yeah, heck, I, I'd consider doing the priesthood thing just because I want the excitement thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that, that that could be good for for men that are that are doing that because you find, you find even, how many years have you been a priest now? Uh, this year I was ordained in 94, so what are we on? 21, 22? Oh, no, oh, no, 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 26 or 26, 27. Yeah, yeah, okay. And are, do you still find it fulfilling? Do you, do you mm-hmm. think that it's still exciting to you? Are yeah. you still learning new stuff? Um, I've never had a bad day. Mm. Never. Uh, I've had bad moments. But even the bad moments uh, are moments where you, the Lord is revealing His power. So tell me about it. Okay, uh, bad moment would be getting called in the middle of the night and going to the hospital, and there's this emergency room, and somebody is in the throes of death, and there's blood everywhere, and the family screaming, and you walk into that at three in the morning, and, you, and you, as you're driving, it's like I, I just want to go back to bed. Mm-hmm. But you walk in, and you, all of a sudden. The, the Lord is guiding, I mean, you can feel it. You can feel how the Lord is moving you and, and using you in that situation to, to, bring, to bring some uh, his presence to that moment. Mm. And it's, it's tangible. Hey, stop. Uh, stop. I love this because I'm thinking to myself, if I'm a teen right now or if I'm a high school, or what about a college guy that's coming off a of drinking last night like I would do in college? But I was thinking, boy, you just told me something that would, if I were that age... For me to be used now, I'm not the uh, I am not the changer. 
mm-hmm. but I am the uh, effectuant of change. In other words, mm-hmm. I'm the I'm the vessel that's being used. But how cool would that be? You got to watch yourself, probably imagine. Mm-hmm. But how cool would that be to say you're gonna your life is going to be used to change? I, I have the, you, you you said a phrase earlier that's exactly my phrase, which I always say: if I can change people's lives and make money, then I've died and gone to heaven. Mm-hmm. Because really, I just want to. I, I got to make money because I'm married. I got five kids. Yeah. But if I can change people's lives doing it, boom, done. Right. And I think as a career doing that is just mm-hmm. changing people's lives. If yeah. I'm a young guy thinking about something to do, it sounds to me like it's probably a pretty action-packed kind of thing. Yeah. Never, never at a dull moment. So I'll I'll go into that situation, and it's emotional, and it's it's chaotic, and it's it's scary. Uh, but the the Lord is in it, and then I get on the elevator, go back, and to go back to my car after it's all over. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I now I know why I'm a priest. I mean, and I say now I know why I'm a man. That was a manly, uh, fatherly. It was heavy lifting. Mm. I mean, and it happens every day. Something like that. Mm. Uh, there, my life is a life of consequence. Mm. I've never felt like it was a waste. I, I regret the fact that there are people who think it is. Uh, I, I, but and you're a victim of some stuff that other people have done. And so all I can do is just live an authentic priesthood. So. If my parish sees me do what I do, they uh, my hope is that they say, "Okay, uh, Father So and So over in that parish doesn't do anything. He's and he just, you know, he's a load. But look at our guy; he's busting his butt, uh, trying to bring Jesus to us every single day, and trying to make our lives better, and trying to teach us how we can be happy and live lives that are fulfilling and meaningful. Uh, that's a priest." So, <clears throat> I got to tell you, I, uh, you, you went away, I think it was down to Florida recently, didn't uh-huh. you? Yeah. So, I was talking to Father Clater, and I said, how is it without Monsignor uh, 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 Deutsch? He said, great. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then he started laughing. He said, no, actually, it, it's better when he's here, but it's great when he's gone. So, I don't have to report to him. But he goes, you know, the stuff that we're doing that he's not doing because he's not here... He said one time thing that when we were, we were just screwing around with each other, and he said, "You know what? We got the best um, parish because we got um, a, a, a priest, Monsignor uh, Deutsch, who really cares about us, and he takes care of us and makes sure that we're taking care of ourselves, and we'll have cookouts and, and let our hair down. But he works us like nobody else, and I think that that's kind of the fulfillment thing—not working, mm-hmm. but being worked with a purpose to effectuate change." Yeah, it's because it, that's what they got ordained for, and and I want them to experience now in this because St. Pat's is an unbelievable parish. What the previous pastors and what these people have built here in St. Charles is amazing, and to be a part of it. It's now, mostly because I was a parishioner. Well, that's that's what people say. That's <laughs> why I agreed to be on the show. There you go. That's great. So, but the the. Uh, the the opportunities for these two young guys and all the young guys that come through here. Uh, I know when they, they leave here, like next year, Father Clater leaves. He's three years and out. Uh, he'll be ready. By the play. way, we don't like that at all. I know. I don't like it. Because he's a stud. Do you know how many, it, every guy, I mean, there's been a, a couple of exceptions where I was glad to see the guy go. Not at this parish. But I get attached to these guys. And these guys teach me, I, they help me remember what it was like to be a young priest. Mm. And what's at stake. And I work my tail off because I don't want them to uh, outrun me. And, mm-hmm. and I, I got to keep up with them. Mm-hmm. And that's what the energy they got. I just want to channel it into into the healthy, uh, joyful expression of 
of what the Lord has asked them to do. They're ready to be a pastor when they leave this spare. That's awesome. That's great. You've done a great job with them. So let me ask you, I I got a bunch of things on my mind, but I'll I'll do some kind of fun, quick ones here. But let's just do one that, what's the toughest moment you've had as a priest? Toughest moment? Yeah. Holy smokes. Uh, there's, There's a lot. I think the toughest moment I had as a priest was... Uh, somebody, uh, I got a call and somebody had, uh, shot themselves and, and this is all grace. Um, I, I grabbed, uh, the priest who was with me, the associate, one of them. I said, come with me. We're going out to, we're going out. We're going to, we're going to talk to the, to the spouse and got there and I didn't realize that it just happened, and uh, the body was still outside. It was in the car. He, he died. Yeah. Okay. And he had shot himself, and okay. yeah, in, in the head. And so we walk up, and there's a couple of cops there looking at the car. I said, "Can I can I anoint the body?" And, I, and he goes, um, "Okay, you sure?" And it, yeah, I, I need to do this. And I walk, and the other priest stayed behind. Mm. And I walked up to the car, and I said a quick prayer. I said, "Lord, just help me to do this." And and it was it was as bad as I've, anything I've ever seen. And I found a piece of the head that was still intact and anointed it. And uh, wow, it was rough. Yeah, that's rough. And uh, those things stay with you for a while. They stay with you a lot for a lifetime. Yeah, and uh, but then I went in talked to the to the family and to the police and we got back in the car and the other priest was sitting there thinking or he said to me uh i can't believe you did that i said well that was all that's the lord did that that's not us that's the lord he that's why we're here to help that guy help that person and help help the family and uh and so there's a lot of moments like that and so I got three more changing topics here. Okay, yeah. all right. So tell me your your favorite moment. Ah, my favorite moment uh, of of priesthood, I think, was is uh, the fraternity that's in the house. When you have a good house, when you have the brotherhood, uh, brotherhood, uh, you you can have a stressful, rough day. You walk in that house, and it's just better. So it's just like a, a marriage where you come home to your family. Yeah, you come home and there's people there and you can talk about it. It's like when I got home from that that suicide, uh, the two priests came up and they and they just they said we can't believe you had to do that. They prayed over me. Wow. And it's like oh, that's awesome. You can do anything. Yeah. When you've got something like that. Yeah. All right. So uh, <clears throat> another one. Funniest moment. Oh gosh, this is a tough one. Um, Funniest moment. Uh, I was an associate at St. Bridget's in Loves Park. It was my first assignment. And I was complaining to the pastor about, you know, all this work he's got me doing. He's got me cleaning out gutters. And I was just all, I was like, I... Well, I'd be a priest, not a house. These hands are made for uh, chalices, not calluses. (laughs) So, and he wouldn't have any of that. And there was a Sunday... And it was after the last Mass, and I was really tired, and he's sitting there greeting people, and somebody comes in, Monsignor. He was Monsignor Mitchell. He goes to the toilet, and the, and the, and the guy's John is all backed up. Oh, no. Gross. He goes, Danny, come with me. 
And I'm like, oh, I, this, I, I'm not up for toilets. That's, yeah. I mean, but then it's Sunday. There's no janitor around. And he walks into the bathroom, drags me with him, gets down on his knees, rolls up his sleeve, and puts his hand into this and... Oh, gosh. And pulls it out. That's the nastiest moment, not the funniest. And <laughs> he, says, he goes, Danny, don't you ever tell me you don't want to clean the gutters. <laughs> so wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say good for you. You're more of a man than I am. Oh, it was... It, I, we, we laughed about that for to the day he died. Yeah. All right. So the the most humbling moment. Um, I think the most humbling moments are those moments when uh, you walk into some. It's always it's always around it's always around sick people. Uh, death is such a sacred moment, um, and it brings out the best and worst in people. And yet you walk into that room, and there's all this emotional stuff going on, all these things that you don't know anything about, just family relationships getting played out in front of you. With this person who's dying, and and you know the the it, it's it stops, and you think, gosh, I, who the heck am I to walk in and have that kind of an effect? It's mm-hmm. and again, it's not me. Mm-hmm. It's totally the Lord using. It. I was here's one story, and this is funny and and not funny because it was it was like post like the end of tail end of COVID. This is like two months ago. And I got called one night uh, to, oh no, Father Father Clater got a call. He was out of town. He goes, Dan, I got this call. They needed anointing at this nursing home right away. So I jump in the car, drive up to this nursing home in South Elgin. And <clears throat> there's cops there, two cop cars. I said, oh, of course. And this is all going to be for me. Walk in, the family's yelling, uh, the, the administrator's oh. there. They don't want you to go up. Because there was a COVID case in the place, and they're all freaking out, and the family can't see their 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 mom who's dying, and there's two family members upstairs who have barricaded themselves in the room and won't leave. No way. The cops are there trying to get everybody out, and it was crazy. And he says, "You can't go up." I said, "I'm going up." You, I got called. I'm going up. He goes, "Somebody called me. I'm here. I'm going. I'm going to anoint this person." And I got on the elevator, and he stopped, and he jumped on, and he says, "Well, I'm going to go with you." Me being the police officer? Yeah, okay, good. Cops and get to the upstairs, and there's plastic sheets everywhere. I pull those apart and go down the hallway, and I this uh, one of the girls walks out of the room, and she goes, you can't come in. I said, you guys called me. What is this? And she goes, well, we're, try, we're just try, trying to have a few words. I said, I'm going in there right now. And I walked in, and, and the girl's, oh, father's here. And, you know, they're yelling at the mother. Father's <laughs> Father, here. Yay. I said, Make up the hero. Lives. And and I and I started anointing her, and they're filming it and putting it on Facebook. It was just the craziest, most surreal what? thing. Really, it was just nuts. And, and but I'm focused. I'm doing it. I anoint her. I and I just anointed her hands, and with the last prayer, and she died. No way. Yes. And you and, had all this opposition of people. Yes. If you were and ten seconds later, through it, and she died. Huh. And they're like, oh my, you know, wow. mom waited and. You know, they're freaking out and they're crying. And rightly so. It was an, just an incredibly emotional situation in the police. And and I, I, I said, okay, my work is done. And I went downstairs and, you know, I left. Wow. How it, cool is that? It's, that's That's humbling. actually cool. Yeah. It's very cool, but it's humbling. Because but, it, but it's like, uh, I think it's almost like, it has to be humbling because <clears throat> the timing for God to put everything right. together to make sure you got there right. before that last second, that's awesome. 
Unbelievable. So, all right. So we're gonna wrap some things up here. But I'm gonna. You know, one of my favorite games in the whole world is called Rapid Fire. Yeah. So I love Rapid Fire. I play it with my kids, and um, it's uh, you're laughing already. You already know. But usually I do it with a drink or two of me, and it gets really. But I'm gonna do this sober, and I'm just gonna ask a few of these. I'm gonna do uh, finish up with a, a one minute pitch for you here. So, all right. So um, let's go. Let's start with. Um, uh, Bucket list place you've never been to that you'd like to go to? Uh, I want to go to uh, Santiago Compostela. Which is where? It's Chile? In, it's in Spain. Oh, Spain, okay. Uh, it's the Shrine of St. Uh, Saint James. Okay. And it's a, it's a, you can walk all the way from France. Okay. And you know, depending on the pilgrimage length, you can do three months, a month, a week. Is that the walk? The Camino. El Camino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I'm El done. Camino. Have you done the El Camino? No. Okay. I'm going to do it someday. Okay. All right. So, favorite place you've been to that you'd love to go back to? Uh, My favorite place in the whole world that I'd live there if I had an option would be Rome. Okay. I love Rome. Okay. Why? Love love the culture, love the people, love the language. And I don't speak it, but I love it. It sounds like music to me. Uh, I love the architecture, the tradition. You just walk down a block and you can see a 2,000 years of architecture mm. on one block. How cool. I just go crazy over stuff like Great. that. So is there a, um, not, not bucket list place, but is a bucket list exciting activity that you've never done you want to do? Uh, I would love to go, I want to take a flight around the world mm. or like just fly from place to place for like mm. three months mm. people do that you know like the amazing race kind of except for staying yeah going from spot to spot yeah that or i would love to uh live in a cabin in the mountains for a year um now you're talking my language that that is <laughs> that is me i am a I, mountain guy my wife's beach i'm mountains i love the, i love the mountains my favorite place in the world uh that i've been to uh, is Glacier National Park? Mm, Glacier is beautiful. Yeah, it's the prettiest yeah. place in the world. Yeah, no, Going it's not. To the Sun but it's Road. Close. What's What's the prettiest? Um, the place that I used to live um, out in uh, Colorado. It's a yeah. Catholic camp. Yeah, it, told, it, yeah, it, I've seen pictures of it. It's the most beautiful. Place. Well, it's got. And, and why is it beautiful? That's here, here's the deal. Well, well, here's a place right here. Here's a church right yeah. there. Mm-hmm. It was the only church outside of Switzerland. Monsignor Bazzetti took all these kids camping. And he was camping in the early 1900s, and he saw. He woke up in the middle of the night, heard the shooting star, saw the shooting star, got up, walked over, found this place. It's right 100 yards outside of Rocky Mountain National Park on 160 acres. It's at 9,600 feet to start. So the whole camp is at 9,600 feet to start. So the elevation is high. And I got to tell you, the higher you go in a mountain, the the less the, the less people are there, and I almost feel like the higher you go, the closer you are physically mm-hmm. to God, because everyone else isn't there. It's mm-hmm. just you and Him. Mm-hmm. I, I can't explain it. If I had all the money in the world, I would go buy this from the diocese. I would open up, reopen the camp, lease it back to the diocese, mm-hmm. just make sure nothing bad ever happened, and I would just work that camp. That'd be the mm-hmm. coolest thing in the whole world. Yeah. So something um, about that, yeah. All right, so. Um, Okay, it, it, you, I know you and I are going to get a meal here shortly, but uh, if you were to have your last supper, mm. you know, you're going to be executed tonight. Yeah, yeah your, your last supper. What would be your final meal? What would that be consist of? Could it be a mix? Whatever you want. It's your meal. All right. Uh, a piece of uh, really good pizza. Okay. 
uh, a fillet. What kind of pizza? You know, if I have to pick, my you know my favorite one around here is uh, Charlie Fox's, but there's that place, that uh, specialty pizza place uh, near Oberweiss on 64 and Randall. What, there's oh yeah yeah, yeah. Woodgrain. Uh, no 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 no. 64 and Randall. It's in that strip mall uh, that goes east of Randall. Oh um, yeah. Uh, uh, Pomod- Pomodoro mozzarella. Yeah, that's my favorite. That's Plater, good. he's off the boat. Joseph, Joseph Imperiali. Yeah, yeah, he's that's, the best. That's good. I get that. I would get a steak, a fillet from Reams. Okay. Or Joseph's. Yeah. And uh, uh, mushrooms, onions, butter. I would get a twice baked potato, mm. and then I would broccoli, some kind of good vegetable. I love love broccoli with lots of butter on it, mm-hmm. and then I would have. Uh, Father Clater's mom makes this thing called uh, uh, cherry dump cake. Mm. Best dessert I've ever had with mm. ice cream on it. Okay, well, I'm going to have to have her over to our house. Oh, yeah. But she'll have to bring that. Yeah, that's That'll be the a price, condition. Price of admission. Yeah, that's right. Price of admission. Favorite drink? Uh, uh, Stag's Leap Cabernet. Okay. What's it, what's it called? Stag's Leap. Stag's Leap Cabernet. It's a little okay. winery. It's a winery in... Uh, California in Napa, it's got a little. They have a little side of a mountain. It's got the. High, it's the best ash content of any place in California, hmm. and they grow the best. How cool is that? Yeah. Are you a bourbon guy? Eh, not so much. Yeah, because I know uh, Father Clater is. Yeah, he's so, he, he's okay. a snob about that. Yeah, he is. Everyone's a snob about something. My brother says. So, are you a cigar guy? <laughs> no, I, I. The last cigar I smoked was in Rome. I bought it off a street guy. And I didn't sleep for two days. Okay. I have no idea what was in Let's it. Let's go have a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the wrong stuff was in it. You know? Totally. It um, was not good. All right. So uh, let, let's wrap things up. I want to say, uh, I'll wrap this up here. Um, and then why don't you and I go hang out if you're okay with that. Yeah. And then um, <clears throat> if you had a one-minute pitch to every young man who wants to live a manly life and is even in the furthest recesses of their mind thought about being a priest, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm that kid, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, Dan, or my senior, I'm, I'm sitting here. I hear what you say. I got my arms crossed. I'm a little bit defensive about it, but if I'm being really honest, in the back of my mind, it's always been there. Mm-hmm. But I don't like a lot of stuff that's going on, and mm-hmm. you know, and people are telling me I shouldn't do it, or what do I get married, whatever. We've gone, we've talked already about all this stuff. What's your one minute pitch? Uh, <clears throat> being a Catholic priest, you never have a bad day. It's never boring. No day is ever the same. And there's no other profession that I can think of where you have as much effect on as many people in a positive way as being a priest. It'll be the most demanding, most satisfying work of your life. So that was barely 30 seconds. And I got to tell you, that's a mic drop right there. I love that. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. So, hey, thank you, uh, Dan, for for joining us. And um, so fifth grade is probably about 10 years old. And I'm going to tell you, you know, We've known each other. We never hung out with each other, but we've known each other now for, for a long, long time. I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to give a, a number. And I did think about you in the interim because I was uh, in your my one of my parishes. Your uh, brother's wife, uh, the the Sestacks. The Sestacks, yes. And they would show up at mass all the time. Mm. And so I would see your brother and say, he looks just like Larry. Yeah, except he's ugly. <laughs> And then I would go. He's I, got the brains. I, I get the looks. Went, I even went up to uh, Sheboygan and did a talk at how cool is that parish? And they treated me to a lovely meal, and it was it was, it was great. So I had some I had some bad contact. 
Dan, thanks for joining yeah. us. Or my senior, thanks for joining us. Hey, hey this it's is an honor. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless. This is Larry Betag on No Rewind. I want to shamelessly self promote. Um, Cherry Creek Mortgage is uh, sponsoring this. So if you need a mortgage, um, it, we'll, you the contact information, Google us, and we'll, we'll get you hooked up with a great loan officer. But um, again, I learned so much today because of my senior. What a fun time this was. Uh, if you enjoyed it, again, I'm going to ask that you share this on Facebook, uh, Instagram, any of the social media platforms out there. Like me, thumbs up, instant message me. I definitely want feedback. Send me a text. Again, thanks a lot. Larry Betteg, and can't wait for our next episode. Thinking about buying a new home or refinancing your existing one? With interest rates this low, what are you waiting for? Today's historically low rates means now is a great time to take the next step. Talk to Larry Betag from Cherry Creek Mortgage. Larry is a great resource to answer all your home financing questions. Call Larry at 630-524-9677 or visit www.cherrycreekmortgage.com forward slash Larry Betag. Larry Betag, NMLS number 158606. Cherry Creek Mortgage Company, Inc., NMLS number 3001. An equal housing opportunity lender. Not everyone will qualify for products offered. Thank you for joining Larry Betag at No Rewind. Be sure to repost this podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to contact Larry directly, you can email him at betag at comcast.net. Or you can call him at 630-417-7172. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of No Rewind. No Rewind.